you want to have an impact. You want to make a difference because that's who you are. And I think one of the biggest things that I want you to understand about the current situation you're dealing with is that it's probably not complicated. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that, and it's going to change everything for you. That's what this show is about. Let's go. Hey, welcome to episode four of the show. It's not complicated. I'm your host, Kristen Ebro. I'm the head of organizational design at Intentional Futures. And today we are going to talk about creating advocacy for change. So communicating change effectively. Uh, and what we won't be talking about in this episode is how to create what I call buy-in. And I'm putting that in quotes, buy-in for change. And why? So why not? Because I believe that that way of thinking, just that terminology, um, it's, an, it's a waste of time. Uh, I'll just put it bluntly. I feel that way because I think the premise of creating quote-unquote buy-in is based on the idea that I'm going to push my thinking on you. I'm going to convince you that my idea or my solution is correct. It's right. And if you're thinking about how you're going to get somebody on board or get someone to buy in or get someone to go along, um, my experience is most of the time you're already lost, even if you're, you know, highly charismatic, inspirational, influential, et cetera, uh, because there's something very different that we're after. I think the perception, the way of thinking that buy-in creates actually distorts how we see the change process, especially with larger groups. Um, buy-in might work for one-on-one, -on -one, but I think when you're, when you're considering larger groups, it limits our ability to create real adoption, which is what I think is what we're all really after. So today in this episode, I'm more interested in talking about how to create advocacy over buy-in. And it's not semantics either. I think there's a big difference between a team going along with the chain and a team being compliant with it and a team managing change. So there's, there's just different ways. And at the center of this difference is how we approach the conversation. So that's what I'm going to talk about on this episode. I'm going to share with you uh, four concrete things that you can do to communicate change effectively that I've seen work really well by other leaders that I've used myself um, that maybe you'll recognize or maybe you're doing some of, but not all of. If you're doing all of it, then make sure you're sharing with others how you're doing this, because I think it's really important for folks to know. And of course, true to the name and theme of the podcast, what I share is based on understanding the difference between what is called complicated or cause effects based thinking and complex adaptive thinking. So let's unpack complicated thinking first, because it influences how I think most people approach communicating a change. So complicated or cause effect systems uh, tend to be systems that are fixable. So you can assess them, you can analyze them, you can diagnose them, you can root cause the issue, and you can create an action plan, a roadmap to execute. So think of a wristwatch, a car engine, um, a building. These are cause effect systems. You might need an expert to help you understand them, how to build them, how to um, you know, diagnose them. But you know, if you take your car into the shop, nine times out of 10, it can be fixed. You can control the change. And in organizations from, you know, maybe the 1900s to the 1970s, maybe 80s, uh, I would say the vast majority of problems that were seen inside of them were complicated. They were about standardization. They were about uh, reliability. So this assess, analyze, and act approach was used over and over and over again, which then permeated, you know, uh, MBA uh, um, programs and thinking. And, and so it was so much applied in such a, a common way of thinking 
that as change management as a body of, of work and framework emerged, it started to permeate into that. And so a common approach I've seen to change management is to assess the need for change, analyze the business justification for it, which is often done by a small number of, let's just say, quote unquote, experts. So analysts, data specialists, consultants, or a leadership team. And then they action plan things. They act by communicating a message that they plan to share. Uh, and that message is often based on what the change is or how things will be changing. Uh, and, and this way of thinking, assess, analyze, action plan, it colors the way we act. And neuroscience, especially these last couple of decades, have really helped us understand uh, that what we think influences what we do. And this way of thinking I just described has permeated how we talk, which influences what we do. All right. So consider the way that we talk about change. I'll hear people say, we need to drive change. We need to build buy-in. We need to diagnose what's really happening. Uh, we need to create a roadmap uh, for our change and our plan. And all of those verbs I just used are cause-effect thinking. They're cause-effect-based ways of thinking that influence what we do. And, and then we communicate um, from that place and that change. But we know that complex adaptive systems and challenges cannot be fixed. Plug for episode one, by the way. Uh, you know, complex adaptive systems uh, can only be managed. They cannot be fixed. You cannot fix a garden. A garden is a complex adaptive system. You cannot fix the weather. You cannot fix an eight-year-old, which I have, which I do not try to do. But I know from experience, you can only manage your relationship to those things uh, and still get a result. You can interact with those systems. You can observe the reactions and test your next response. Um, but with change, this means interacting with a community and you do this by probing questions, by observing the responses to learn what emerges, and then testing your next action in your response. So maybe you've heard of Simon Sinek. He's pretty popular. He's got a great TED Talk that's out there. It's been out there for a while. He's an author. He's an influencer and talks about coming from purpose. And in his TED Talk, he draws this really simple picture of what he calls the golden circle. And there are three concentric circles. And in the middle of the first circle is the word why. And the next circle out is how. And then the outer circle is what. And he talks about a mistake that leaders make in introducing change. And I want you to think about the last time maybe you introduced a change that was happening in your organization and how you introduced it. So maybe it was an IT implementation that was happening. Or maybe you were adopting a new process or policy. Maybe you were trying to be, and when you're doing that, charismatic or motivational or empathetic, right? Hey guys, um, or hey folks, uh, this is what we're doing. Maybe you tried to be calm and direct and came from a mandate, something like, this is just the direction the organization is moving in. Batman voice. Uh, or maybe you tried, you know, the don't shoot the messenger approach. Yeah, okay, I know this isn't ideal, but this is what's happening. Um, I notice that people tend to elongate their, uh, their message that way. Okay. Uh, and maybe you even took a customer focus approach with your message, right? Uh, so maybe you said something like, we, we have great love and respect for, you know, the fact that we create people here and what we create for others in the world. And we want to make sure that we're still good stewards of our resources. And we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our people and those we serve and et cetera. Sounds really good. I lead a training, a, a workshop where I ask participants, you know, I give them a change opportunity and, and ask them to introduce a change. And I've heard some of the most rational, most logical, 
also the most inspiring messages you can think of. However, I see the same pattern over and over again. It's like our pull. And the fundamental mistake that Simon talks about that I see as well that leaders are making and communicating change is that we start from a conversation first. That's sink in. The sequence of communication that, um, that we come from is talking first. And most of the time when I'm in the room and leaders are doing this and employees are looking at them like, okay, we know, and of course I'm a good steward of resources already. And of course I'm customer oriented. So, you know, we're talking first. And then there's a second mistake that we see leaders make, which is coming from the wrong why, which is a big part of what Simon talks about. So according to Simon Sinek, you know, most leaders think we're starting from a why, but often the messages are more of a what or a how. And then they'll talk about the change, the tool, the goal, or the outcome from that perspective, right? And, and we'll begin discussing a plan um, and maybe the method and the why is maybe more of a business rationale. Uh, we need to make sure that we're within budget. Uh, you know, that's a business rationale. What's great about these examples is that we're trying to be focused on the customer. And I think that's, that's excellent. That's, that's what we want to do. And, and being thoughtful about those we serve, I think is important. Uh, you know, and then we think about like, you know, that we, we assume that that's the right why, that that's the correct why, that that's the correct purpose as we're trying to build advocacy. What gets missed oftentimes when I listen to this is um, the why from the staff or your employees need for a just work environment that aligns with their ability to deliver exceptional value. And, and that's the actual business rationale is how can we support people to be able to create an even more just work environment that um, helps them be able to act differently and support those they serve differently. So at the heart of leadership, you know, is really making sure that we're creating better futures for those that we work with so they can improve the lives of the people that they're trying to serve. And you cannot separate these two. It's, it's exclusive. They go hand in hand. And so this is the place that I think leaders miss because combining these two things is a much more powerful vibe when communicating change. So uh, as leaders, I think we're really, including myself, really quick to talk instead of listening. People will rarely follow what we say. They're going to do what they believe. So as a leader, we need to tap into their beliefs. And we can't do this unless we listen, which is a very different starting point. So how do we do this effectively? That's the fundamental question we're going to play with on this episode. So I'm going to give you four questions I think all leaders need to get really good at using to pull the beliefs out in the open to create the opportunity for advocacy and change that I think are really important and that I think will make um, a real big change for how you structure your, your communication moving forward. So here we go. Tactically, let's just talk here. Complexity, different approach. The first question to ask is, what is the pain or what are the pain points that you're dealing with around your current and then fill in blank, your current process, your performance, our engagement, whatever, our customer experience? That's the first question. I think it sounds obvious. It gets asked, you know, often, but I, I, I have to start with that place, right? So what is the pain that you're dealing with around your process, your performance, your engagement, whatever? The second question is going to be, how does that impact you? So how's that impacting your engagement, your performance? That's really important. We're going to impact that. Some leaders do this. Now, most leaders that I've seen, if they do these two things, stop here. These next two questions are going to be really important. And then I'm going to walk you through step-by-step step how you do these things. The next question to ask, question number three, 
How should things be operating? What are we striving for? What do we want? Those are really important questions. And then the last question that follows up with that, which almost never gets asked. I've been in so many meetings, so many rooms. I've seen so much communication come out. And when I think about like what it takes to get that communication happening in that process, this question never gets asked, which comes after how should things be, is what difference would it make for your life, your performance, our engagement, our customers, our well-being, if we were able to have the future we just talked about. So these four questions asked together, not in isolation, create the powerful why, and I'll explain why. So let's start with this first question. First question is, what is the pain that you're experiencing? So what are the pain points you're experiencing with your process, with your performance, with the engagement, with your workload, with your capacity, et cetera, what, depending on you know, the conversation you're have, is having. Now, obviously, how you finish that sentence is really contextual. Maybe you as a leader might find that going in, um, you want to start by sharing what you understand are the pain points. That way you're demonstrating that you already have some level of awareness and knowledge and then ask, what else have I missed or what have I misunderstood? Um, so, you know, teach me on this. So there might be things that you're not understanding that you need to learn or that have surfaced that you're not aware of. Um, but what it does is it begins a conversation. That's the first question. It's a low barrier. It's a way for you to confirm that you've got your finger on the pulse, that you're surfacing what's happening. And people are going to say all sorts of things, which I know you've experienced. Like, we have too much work on our plate, or there's not enough time to get things done, or it's difficult dealing with shifting priorities, or we're constantly dealing with unplanned work, or popping up crisis and emergency. So you want to begin to hear that. And you're not just listening and nodding your head. If it's possible in this kind of conversation, which is not casual, this is structured, especially when you're trying to build advocacy for change, if it's possible, what you're doing is writing it down. So if you're trying to visualize the listening and demonstrate something, when you write it down, it demonstrates that you care about what people say. It's, it stops living in people's minds and heads and it, and it lives in the world. It's on a flip chart. It's on a virtual document. It's on a virtual whiteboard. Um, it's even on your pad of paper. Just hold it up to make sure that folks you know, are, are actually able to see that you're writing it down. Make sure that you're capturing it correctly. This sends a message of transparency. Visibility creates transparency. Talking is strong. Writing and making things visible makes it transparent. I would say the second question then after you start to surface the pains then is, well, how does that impact you? And again, you might share, I realize that some of the pains that we have or that you're experiencing, you know, is that we have a lot of work on our plates, that we're understaffed at the moment. There's a lot of shifting priorities, and I know that there's been some impact around how we're feeling in terms of being burnt out or disengaged. And, and I want to understand how this impacts you. And I always coach uh, leaders to really dig here. If I'm facilitating, I dig in. So what impact does this have? And, and start to get more specific on your time. So you start broad by what impact does this have? And then try to get focused. How, what impact does this have on your time, on your ability to perform, on your ability to get work done? Uh, what impact does it have on your, you know, feelings of engagement? What impact does it have on uh, how you feel, your well-being, on the issues that you have to deal with? And don't be afraid to ask how this impacts your personal lives. You know, how does this impact your ability to make sure you're home for dinner every night or that you're able to exercise or that you're present for your kids? So share, share stories if it makes sense to actually create enough space in the room for other people to share. 
uh, talk about how maybe, you know, your work impacts and, and the workload impacts your ability to be consistent with your own health uh, or seeing your friends and family or being present uh, during family outings. If you're preoccupied with work, for example, these are real impacts. They, they, you want to be able to get them out because we're not working through the business aspect of change at the moment. We are trying to help our business, which is made up of people, begin to um, realize their advocacy for something different. And even if what they're experiencing right now doesn't work for them, it's sometimes hard for some people to engage in something different. So I've led many listening session conversations with teams that have told me something similar, like they don't feel like they have the patience for their kiddos, that they have anxiety, that they have struggle sleeping, uh, that they have health issues like blood pressure raising. And I think it's important to ask and important to bear witness to it as a leader. When we talk about impact, you cannot allow people to leave this question on the surface. Like, uh, well, it impacts our productivity uh, or it impacts our morale. Those are concepts. What impact does it have when we struggle with productivity is the more human focused question. What impact does it have on your morale and the way that you feel about yourself? You're listening for real human impacts because we're trying to cultivate change. I feel isolated. I feel like I just go numb. I feel burnt out. I feel disengaged. I feel undervalued. These are real. And that's what we're trying to get at. So what are the pain points is the first question around X. And then how does this impact you? And really dig around is the second question. Now. Before we get into the third question, I think it's imperative if you're leading this and you're a leader to ask a transition question. I don't typically ask this question as a facilitator, but uh, I know this question will sound hokey, but it's worth asking. It's, it, it, you don't have to, but if you do, um, it does something psychologically, I think. Uh, that has been my experience. And the question is, okay, this doesn't sound great. Is this what we really want? Do we want this to continue? Uh, and people sometimes will look at you crazy, but I mean, that's the question and ask it in your own way, ask it in your own words. But what you're asking is that if we keep going down the same path, we're going to get more of the same. And by asking, you know, is this what we want? We're triggering a response in people's minds, in their brains. It's psychological. It's, it's, it's neuro-based that begins to sound like, and they're going to answer it for themselves without them saying it out loud. No, we don't. We want something different. Don't leave those responses hanging. This is going to make people feel angry. Right. So this is where, okay, yeah, we shouldn't be that way. Here's where as a leader, you get to own what parts that maybe you might have contributed to. And here's, I think, a, a real moment of, um, I would say responsibility, not blame, but responsibility. They're different. So sometimes as a leader, you didn't contribute to any of what's happening. You maybe inherited it, but here's the deal. You still have to own that it's been happening. Even it's been, even if you're like one week into the job, it's been happening on your watch. Um, and it's now something that you are responsible for beginning to think about and take action around. Maybe you haven't been able to change it yet and you've tried. Uh, and so you're feeling like, well, I don't want to own this because I don't want to feel blame. I have done something. It is powerful to own that you're bear witnessing to it, that you're bear witnessing to that this is happening on your watch as a leader because it brings authenticity into the game, which I think is really important. This is not a time to take blame unless. Maybe you need to own something, but this is the time to make sure, you know, that you're being able to take responsibility so that you can get authentically into question number three. So question number three is, okay, if we don't want this to be our default future, then how should things operate? 
and ask them to describe how we want the process to operate, how we want engagement to look, how we want in performance to you know take place. What should the employee or customer experience look like in this situation? Give me the words to describe the kind of performance that we think is really important to have. That's what you're asking. So how should things be? And, and you're gonna hear things like, well, we want more reliability or we want more transparency or we want some more standardization. Uh, we want more focus. We want more clarity, whatever it is. Of course, you can, you know, ask, tell me more about what that looks like, but write it all down. We want to write, we want to make all of this listening visible. And, and, and as you do this, you know, some folks are still going to be in their minds, rolling their eyes, but you're starting to get somewhere. So here's what I call the money question. You've asked these first three things. This last question, you know, it's, it's the most important. If we were able to create more reliability if we had more transparency uh, here in the workplace, if we were more focused, whatever the future is that folks have described. The final question is, what difference would it make for your lives? What difference would it make for our work? What difference would it make uh, you know, for how you perform as a team? So it's kind of like the impact question, um, except we're asking it slightly differently because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, what difference would it make for your team's engagement? And then just dig like you dug with impact. You know, what difference would it make for your life, for your health, uh, for your, you know, correspond to what you heard earlier, for your, you know, your well-being, for your marriages? I don't really know. It depends on what's on those, on those flip charts or that virtual whiteboard. People are going to surface all sorts of things. Uh, and, and it'll be surfacey at, at first, potentially, depending on the group, because you're at work. You know, so people might say things like, oh, well, we'd have better productivity or we'd have, you know, we'd have better quality. Uh, and, and I would, I would really offer that as you hear that to push a little bit more. Okay, great. If we experience better productivity or better quality, what real human difference would it make for you? Because you're the one that's here and I want you to be successful. And folks will, I, I've just heard some of the most amazing things. So I've heard folks say, I would actually feel successful. I would feel valued. I would feel accomplished. Right now, I feel overworked and undervalued. And what I want is to feel successful and accomplished at what I do. Now, that is huge. Write those things down. Write circles around them. Make them visible. I'm going to tell you a story. I was working with one group. Uh, they were a group largely of, of trades people, so men and women who were in the trades. Uh, they were hardcore. Uh, they're not the office folk that I typically get um, deployed to work with um, for my consultancy. And I was supporting uh, leadership to try to introduce a change and was facilitating the conversation. Uh, so we were trying to, to do things this way. And I, I remember sitting in front of 60 folks and I asked, so what are some of your pain points around this? Uh, and nobody held back because that's just this group, right? And one guy stood up and said, you know, let me tell you something about what's going on in our world. Our plans change every single day and my crew will tell me to F off every single day. So I write all that down, you know, explicitive and all, uh, you know, crew tells me to F off. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, well, I'm curious, you know, what impact does this have on you? And of course, I'm super aware. I just asked a touchy-feely question that he has to answer in front of 60 of his peers. No hesitation at all because he sees the game I'm playing. He says, makes me feel like poop. Of course, he doesn't say it that way, but, you know, makes me feel like poop. Uh, only he doesn't use that word, right? And of course, you know, he plays it off. And, you know, I, I, I uh, he's, you know, he says things like, I, I don't let it rule my day, but, you know, whatever. It gets to me. It's part of the job. Um, and so, of course, I write this down and I'm thinking, okay, this is going horribly at the moment. Um, and I'm questioning whether or not like all of my thinking even makes sense anymore. I was like, I know this works. Maybe this doesn't work for everyone. 
but I take a little deeper, right? Cause I have to trust my thinking uh, and a bit more here. And, and, and he's just like, well, you know, like, well, tell me more about like how this like makes you feel like poop and, you know, well, you know, it makes me want to walk off the job. You know, it's like, boom. Okay. That's an impact, right? Like that he wants to leave. <laughs> he doesn't, but he, you know, he thinks about it. So now I'm starting to see pain with constantly changing plans and a crew that's not just low morale. It's, it's kind of undermining leadership by telling them to F off and it makes him feel like leaving his job. <laughs> that's a, a huge red flag, right? Okay. So then the question is, well, well, let's just stay with this for a mind for a minute. What do you want? You know, of course, he's obviously, he wants the opposite, right? Oh, how things should be. Uh, I want more reliability and I want dependability, but that's never going to happen, right? So, but I'm writing that down, reliability, dependability. Uh, so then we get to the money question. I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, so if we create greater reliability and dependency, what difference would it make for your life? And I'm just curious because the change that we're introducing is designed to create just that. Um, and of course his first response was, well, I wouldn't have to, you know, go grab a smoke before I went in and told my team we were about to do something different again today. And I was like, okay. So I write that down, you know, um, but you know, I push, I was like, okay. Cause I don't want to find out what they're not going to do. Right. So if you weren't smoking, then what would be there for you? What difference, you know, would, would work be like, and you know, uh, uh, I wouldn't have to get defensive before I go told my team things are going to change, you know? And it's like, okay, great, great. You're not defensive. So I write that down. And if you weren't smoking and if you weren't getting defensive, what would be there? You know, because I'm not interested in like what you're not going to have to do anymore. I'm interested in what would actually like show up for you, like the, the difference that would be there for you. And he just kept staring at me at that point in time. And I, I thought he was going to come over and punch me. Uh, and he just stares at me like what felt like forever. It was probably only like four or five seconds, you know, but you just sit with that, that silence. And then, you know, he says... I'd have joy, you know, and everyone just explodes with laughter, you know, it's like, fine, I'd be happy. I'd love my job, you know, and all of a sudden his demeanor changes and, and he's a little irritated that he had to say that word, uh, but they were his words and not mine. And I went ahead and wrote them up as fast as I could, right? And circled it with big, I, in fact, I changed the marker, you know, to you know, big green joy, but he was serious. He's like, look, I took this job because I thought it would be fun to lead a crew. And I, I grew up with this crew and I just wanted to make a difference. Uh, I wanted to support a team. And instead I'm, I'm just band-aiding things and, and things got silent. They got real. Like, cause that's what this is about. Like you, you can't just come in and push out. Like we're going to implement this IT change to make more transparency. It'll be like, people will say, no, it won't. Cause that's, that's what they believe. They're not going to believe what you say. They're going to believe what, what they believe. And so we have to tap into their beliefs, right? So here's the deal. His words, not mine. If I had come in and said, hey, we're going to bring joy to the workplace and here's how we're going to do it, right? We're going to bring more transparency, reliability. You know, they would have told me to F off. And instead, I got them to begin to unearth their beliefs. And that's the power of this. So here's how this works, because just leaving it there isn't enough. When I talk about what's the powerful, quote unquote, why? The answer to this question is really number two and number four. It's what's the impact and what difference. That's your why. And, and you just had a listening conversation and now you know what they are. You've made that listening live in the world, not just by hearing somebody, by putting it up on paper, drawing circles around things and building that connection and then being able to speak it back. The why comes from that, comes from something different. It's, it's a world of difference when you're able to say, you know what? I can see or I can hear that you're totally overburdened 
you feel blamed as a team. And I'm committed that you experience every day as someone who's valued and trusted, you know, the impact and the difference. Did you hear those two in, in there? The answer to the question number three is really your how then. So I can see how creating transparency and consistency is going to help with that. So we started with a why, which is the impact and difference, right? I can see right here, you're totally overburdened and feeling blamed at the impact. As a team, I'm committed that you experience every day as someone who feels valued and trusted. That's the difference. That's your why. Your how is, you know, the, the third question, how should things be? I believe that creating transparency and consistency is going to help with that, right? I totally hear that as a team, we're feeling overburdened and feeling blamed. I would love for you to experience every day feeling valued and trusted. And, and, and that's what we're going to do here. What I would like to do is to introduce a tool a concept, a change, a program, whatever, that I think will contribute, really important word, contribute to that. Contribute to the kind of feature where you feel accomplished and successful, valued and trusted, included, um, included and uh, like you belong. Are you open to having me share more? That is a different conversation. I've created an opening when I've done that. I have pulled their beliefs. I haven't said what I think they're feeling, right? I think you guys are feeling burnt out. We're going to do something about it. You know, if it's a low level change, that's no problem. But when there's high stakes change, you can't do it that way. Yeah, you've taken the time to interact with the community. One of the first rules with complexity is you don't go and assess and analyze. You interact with the community. You probe to learn by listening and asking questions. Learn what emerges. Right. This is what we did. And then offer an alternative that can speak to contributing to a different future. You brought out their beliefs in their words. And this is about changing from pushing out communication to listening. And that's the fundamental difference when it comes to cultivating advocacy and adoption. You know, we often think communication is about finding a clever way to talk about something. And we forget that in order to effectively communicate, the other person has to be listening. They have to be grasping that. And, and, and when we listen, we can listen for the needs and the desires of the team and then connect the change to that. That's what's important. So we've got the sequence backwards. We think that we talk first and then listen. No, 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 no. We listen first and connect their beliefs to the change. That's how it works. These four questions help pull out those needs and desires to help you as a leader create a compelling why. And you don't have to come up with that, right? You don't have to come up and craft with craft, you know, any like, you know, special language. If you pull it in their words, it's raw, it comes from them and it comes from those who are going to experience the change. So use these four questions, ask them in the way that works for you, get versatile with them. This is about coming from a different approach than maybe what you're used to. This is about coming from value and the value that you're trying to create, even with change is an emotional connection to what it is you're offering. And if you think that this is, oh, we don't have time for this, Chris. Well, then good luck dealing with the time you're going to have to deal with managing around compliance, undermining resistance, et cetera. If what you're offering is changing, you know it can actually make a difference. Don't convince anybody, right? Surface and be with them around what it is that they want and desire because I bet that's what you want too. So, woo, that's it for today. Check out the abridged version of this podcast and others on uh, my blog. It's on Medium. You can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, the problem that you're facing probably isn't complicated, as I started this show out with, but it probably is complex. So let's learn how to face it together. All right. See you next time. 